Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. Novak Djokovic is champion for a record seventh time at the year-end championships. He takes the title in Turin over Yannick Sinner, delivering a masterclass. 6-3, 6-3 scoreline. So much to discuss. What a perfect way for Novak to wrap up what is just a remarkable season. Uh, you zoom out, you take a look at it. He's won four out of the year's five biggest titles. His win rate is 90%. That is rare stuff. He's won the last four tournaments he's played. He has recent wins over all of his biggest rivals, Medvedev, Alcaraz, Sinner. They've kind of solidified themselves as a top four in the second half of the season. Novak has beaten all of them. Five games lost in the semis, six games lost in the final, and it's back-to-back championships in Turin. I'm excited to talk about this this final and the performance that Djokovic delivered, but I mean, one of my big takeaways here is I think if it wasn't already clear, Djokovic would benefit massively if there were more tournaments in these conditions. These conditions used to be kind of common. The lightning quick. uh, Every good serve is kind of an ace-like conditions. And they've just kind of gone out of style. This is a throwback. This is an old school one. And just watching this, I mean, what we saw last year, what we saw this year, I, I think it's fair to say that If Djokovic were in the 90s, he'd be doing just fine. 
And, uh, you know, last year the field was kind of down. You know, Medvedev was having an off year. Alcaraz and Zverev were injured. Sinner still needed more time to develop. Uh, Djokovic ended up having to beat Taylor Fritz in the semifinal and Casper Ruud in the final. This year, I felt the exact opposite. The field, incredibly strong. Medvedev, Sinner, Alcaraz, Zverev, Runa. So it was a much tougher field. And Novak wins in some ways, if you want to look at the semifinal and the final and the scoreline, in some ways, he won in even more dominant fashion. So it's just confirmation that in these conditions, the distance between Novak and everybody else is even larger. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Look, shorter points, more shorter points mean the impact of the serve and the return is increased. And that's a good thing for Djokovic because he's got the best serve-return combination. Lower bounce means flat hitting, aggressive court position. Those things are rewarded. That's good with Novak. Faster bounce places an emphasis on redirections, precision, depth, less so power and weight of shot, less so heavy RPM, topspin. That helps Novak too. I just think if he plays well on these courts, nobody can touch him. And it, it certainly looked that way in this final. A performance that reminded me of when he played Nadal in the Australian Open final in 2019. Maybe a couple years later when he played Medvedev in the Australian Open final in 2021. These, uh, these displays of tennis where it's not even really the competition of the match that you're enjoying. It's just being impressed point in and point out by the level of execution that you're seeing. So let's go through that. And it is it is one of those things where you don't necessarily know where to begin. And uh, usually when that's the case, I just start with the serve. Just start with the serve because that's where the point starts. Have we ever seen Djokovic serve better in a match? I don't know. Uh, his ace rate was 28%. For a little bit of perspective... Uh, Hubert Hurkacz led the tour in ace rate this year. He was just under 17%. I did just look at Djokovic's career, like every match he's played in his career, to see, okay, where does this actually stack up in ace rate? Tennis Abstract gives me the ability to do this. It is fourth. In the 2012 London Olympics on the grass, Djokovic beat Andy Roddick 6-2-6-1. That's the, the highest ace rate he's ever had in a match. Uh, Jack Draper, 2021 Wimbledon, when Draper Draper was very young at the time. That was his first round match. Uh, ace rate was uh, 31% in that one. And then we have um, another Turin match. 2021 round robin against Rublev, a match that he won 6-3-6-2. Djokovic had a 29% ace rate. Uh, again, this was 28%, which is incredible. So the aces were coming fast and furious for Novak, especially for the first set and a half. Uh, the spot serving was, was perfection. Because I also want to say, you know, look, Rublev is easier to ace than Sinner. Andy Roddick is easier to ace than Sinner. There were a lot of serves by Novak, where Yannick used his long arms and his 6'4 frame 
to get like the slightest piece of it. So, you know, it goes down as a service winner, but come on, it, it's as good as an ace. The spot serving out of this world, I'm going to show you the screenshot. So if you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can take a look at Novak's handiwork. And, you know, it's hard to, this is one of those things where it's hard to like see like, oh, is that good? So in order for you to me to kind of drive this home, let's compare it to Yannick Sinner's uh, spot serve chart, okay? I want you to focus on two spots in particular. Look at the deuce side down the tee, all right? Look at the deuce side down the tee. Look where Novak's balls land, and now look where all of Yannick's balls land. So many more missed spots by Sinner in that location. Now, uh, look at the uh, ad side out wide. Look at all the aces that Novak found on on that serve, uh, which is a really difficult serve to land. Okay, now look at center and look at all those red dots where he didn't get it very close to the sideline. So that is the difference. Spot serving is so important on these courts. I I, I almost want to say that twice. When the courts are this fast, anybody who serves 120 to 125, which is basically everybody, if, if anybody hits their spot, they are serving big enough and, and hard enough where it's going to be an ace. It's all about the spot serving. And what we have seen is Djokovic become uh, an elite, an elite spot server. He won 29 of 32 first serve points for the match. 90% of his first serve points. I'll say this also about his first serve before I move on. Until 6-3, 3-2 in the second set, I truly believe this. It would have been frankly impossible for anybody to break his serve. Frankly impossible. It doesn't matter who he was playing. It doesn't matter what level they had. It just would not have been possible. The serving was too good. From there... He started to act human. You know, he missed more first serves. He missed more spots after, uh, you know, starting starting with that 3-2 game. But I'll tell you what, until then, it just wasn't going to happen. That's how good his first serve was. But I want to talk about his second serve. I really do. Because it's too easily ignored. It's too often ignored. And it's so important. This, this is one of the things that Novak is doing that is pretty unique to Novak. Not a lot of other people are doing this. The low slice serve into the righty forehand. This isn't the first time I'm bringing it up. It's not as it's it's not as if it's never been talked about before. But this is another thing, conditions specific, and in this case, Yannick Sinner specific. It's such an asset. He won 59% of his second serve points against Sinner in the round robin the match that he lost. He won 64% of his second serve points in this final. And Yannick Sinner is the second best player on tour in second serve return win percentage. First is Djokovic. But you look at that number and, okay, you got to think what's different about Novak. Yes, he's a better baseliner. That's obviously true than, than almost everybody that Sinner is playing. But how many guys are hitting kick serves into Sinner's backhand? Like, what percent of center serves 
are just kickers into his backhand, some of which he can probably even run around and hit a forehand on. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A lot. Really a lot. And here you have Novak. He's not doing it. He didn't hit a single serve out wide to center's backhand on the ad side. Second serve, not a single kick serve out wide to center's backhand. And on the deuce side, he hit two. Two second serves that went into center's backhand. But one of them, it looks like it would have gotten into the body uh, pretty nicely, which is kind of what Novak wants. He is serving center's forehand, and he's using that low slice serve to do so. And you know what? It makes a lot of sense. The center forehand is the less compact side. That gives more errors when it's rushed. So Novak says, look, I have the speed on my second serve, the placement, the slice action, right? The movement on the ball and that low height of bounce to feel fully confident going at center's bigger weapon to try to get some second serve return uh, misses and, and to avoid what is probably center's better return, his backhand return. But... If you don't have that confidence in your slice serve, and Djokovic didn't double fault here, and a lot of players who do hit slice second serves, like Felix Ojeali-Asim or even Daniil Medvedev, a lot of these guys who don't hit that real kicker, they double fault a lot. Djokovic has the precision to be able to hit that slice serve and to hit it hard and to not have any double fault issues under pressure even. And to be able to take advantage of a player like Sinner who is going to hit better second serve returns when the ball is bouncing up high into his backhand strike zone on a slower kick serve. Novak is making like the best, the second best second serve return guy in the world into not that. From the baseline in the rally, what did Novak do and how did he reverse a lot of the things that we saw in that round robin match when when he got beat by center from the baseline. I don't think it was all that complex what Djokovic did, but it sure was effective. Uh, he beat center to the punch in this match. He gave him zero time. He was as aggressive as he can be. Djokovic was. He punished his forehand in particular. I think the forehand numbers... I think that that tells the biggest story of the difference between 
the round robin match in the final. Let me take you through those. So we're looking at the forehand right now. Let's start with average speed. In the round robin match, Sinner averaged 78 miles per hour, Novak 69 miles per hour. So Sinner's forehand was nine miles per hour faster. In the final, Djokovic was at 81. So he raised it, uh, what is that? 12 miles per hour. And Sinner was down to 71. So Djokovic hit his forehand on average 10 miles per hour faster than Sinner's. Now, there is one caveat. The numbers that I have for the final is after the first set. Um, unfortunately, guys, I am way down on my data uh, for this match. Second screen, which I, I rely on for a lot of my data, that's been down since like the first three days of the tournament. And the tennis TV stats, which I, I think they, they put some really good stats up, that stats that I want to use, they don't show stats after finals. Like after championship matches, they don't show stats. So um, I, I don't have a full match. I don't have some of the numbers that I would usually have if one of those two options were available for me. Um, so yeah, and unfortunately, that forehand speed, Djokovic 10 miles per hour faster, that's just for the first set. Look, to me, it looked like that continued. Maybe a little bit less extreme in the second set, but it still kind of paints the picture that I'm looking to paint. Uh, so that's speed. But as we know, when you hit the ball bigger, usually you do pay a price for that and you make more errors. Let's look at unforced errors. Did that happen? Certainly not. Uh, in the round robin match, forehand unforced errors were 19 for Sinner, 18 for Djokovic. All right, so Sinner hit one more unforced error than Novak. It's basically even, even though Sinner was nine miles per hour faster. In the final, uh, again, I do not have the full match, but I do have what it was at 4-3 in the second set. Forehand unforced errors. Sinner, 16. Djokovic, 4. And I, I also know that in the first 13 games of the match, Djokovic made one forehand on forced air. He was barely missing it, and he was going absolutely huge on it. That's what happened here. Um, Djokovic was hitting harder and missing less. And there's a direct relationship between Sinner missing more and hitting softer and I, I just think it's down to the, the incoming ball, the quality of the incoming ball. He's got less time, and that's the key here. And if there's less time on the ball, the speeds aren't going to be the same from Sinner, and he's going to miss a whole lot more if he's rushed, and you know, especially if his feet aren't organized. And there was uh, far more often I saw examples where Sinner just didn't have time to organize his feet before having to hit through the forehand. So it was actually the center forehand that Djokovic was making the most progress on, which is exactly what he did at Wimbledon. And I, I think he he tried to do it in the round robin match and just didn't do it quite as well. Uh, he wasn't hitting as hard. He wasn't taking the ball as early. He was more passive on the backhand, playing it more cross court. Uh, center was, again, getting that first offensive punch in more often. But what Novak wants to do is go at the center weapon, 
Go at the forehand. Strip it of opportunity. Because Sinner's power isn't a factor if he has no time and no short balls. And the forehand is the side that misfires under pressure. That applies to uh, scoreboard pressure and nerves pressure. I'm also just talking about the pressure of quality of incoming ball, which is another form of pressure. I charted 12 Djokovic cross-court forehands into center errors. 12 of them. Not winners, by the way. So any Djokovic forehand cross-court winners, however many there were, I don't know, I didn't check, uh, that's not in the sample here. Just errors. I, I found 12 of those. I, I may have missed some also. That's almost as many aces, 13 aces. So there were a lot of points that looked like that. And some of them were in big moments. Uh, in the first set, the way Djokovic got the break, this was at 1-2. Sinner had 40-30, game point, And three points in a row were Djokovic cross-court forehands into Sinner forehand errors. One of them wasn't actually an error. Sinner should have challenged because he caught the back of the baseline. And uh, it was called out. He didn't challenge. First game of the second set, again, Novak going up a break where the first three points, go back, watch the first three points of the second set. They were all Djokovic cross-court forehands into center errors. One of them was just as good a defensive forehand on the run as you'll ever see, which went right onto the baseline. The depth created the error. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was right on the baseline, as I said. Then at Love 40, by the way, it wasn't a forehand cross-court into an error, but it was a forehand cross court in combination with the forehand down the line that created the error. So my question that I just want to pose real quick, and I think it's just worth worth throwing out there. How can we look at the Djokovic forehand as inferior to Tsitsipas, Sinner, Rublev, Alcaraz? How can we do that if he wins the cross court patterns against these guys all the time? And I'm not saying every Djokovic match, he's always winning this against these guys. I'm not saying there aren't some matches where it seems like their forehands and, and the weapons that they are, are, you know, taking over a match or, you know, ha having a bigger impact than Djokovic's forehand. I'm not saying that never happens, but I'm just saying a lot of the time we're looking at situations like this final where Djokovic's forehand is in this case missing less and just as damaging and he's literally winning these forehand to forehand exchanges on the regular so just food for thought but to overfocus on the forehand also seems a little bit wrong the backhand down the line from Novak was great i thought he was hitting it with higher frequency in this match compared to the round robin match which uh just kept center moving and did not allow him to you know set his feet and hit backhands or even worse set his feet and hit forehands from the ad side of the court it, it seemed like in the round robin match there were a lot of more there were a lot more examples where Djokovic was kind of trading his backhand cross more passively and allowing center to to you know get comfortable and rip the backhand down the line to open up the point or again rip the the backhand cross court and find the forehand on the next ball
my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At the end of the day, Djokovic from the baseline, uh, he's, he's taken both wings, and he's achieving high speeds, high rates of changing direction, great depth, few errors. Uh, there's little more you can say than that. There's little more you can do than that. What to make of Sinner? Um, it's been such a positive last couple months. Djokovic was amazing in this final. I don't think it was a a performance that, that opens the door for a lot of harsh criticism on Sinner's part. Um, the only the only real regretful patch, in my opinion, was uh, Djokovic's 4-3 service game, where uh, Djokovic started the game by missing the easiest volley of all time, and he missed a lot of first serves in the game from there. Uh, he did get a little bit more passive on the backhand, exactly what I described to you uh, that, that he wasn't doing in, in most of the match. He was guilty of it a little bit in this game, giving, giving Yannick more time more time to uh, to load up his his power baseline game. And Sinner just, he missed some returns that you can't miss, including a love 30-second serve. He missed some forehands you can't miss. Uh, one at 30-all, one at deuce, both slower balls, middle of the court, easy uh, attack opportunities. This was his chance to make this a match. This was the moment where Djokovic finally got human and unfortunately, uh, for Sinner, he also played a bad return game on Djokovic's only bad service game. So, was he a little bit worn down? Was the moment a little bit large for him? Maybe, maybe. But also, Djokovic didn't give him much of a chance for much of the match to get comfortable, to feel like he's in it to gain any confidence. So I think, you know, that's the the nuanced assessment of, of Sinner's game in this one. I want to end on uh, something really big picture with Djokovic, something very philosophical with Djokovic. Um, and I hope that if you were one of the people who uh, watched or listened to my analysis of the Alcaraz semifinal or or maybe even the Runa round robin match and and you were critical of me um saying that I was too focused on Novak's opponent. 
I hope that you've stayed for this. I hope that you're hearing this um, because I have a point to make. The only time I, I'll take time out of the show and talk about what the YouTube comments are saying is when I can use them to make a point that, that I think is going to be um, interesting. So that's what I'm going to do. I want to talk about, with Novak's game, the absence of defect. Absence of defect. How did I come to that phrase? I've never once said that in all my years analyzing tennis. I've never said absence of defect. Well, actually, I was listening to a podcast about coffee. I'm a huge, huge coffee guy. Uh, the guest on the podcast was James Hoffman, who's a coffee YouTuber. And he was describing what makes a great cup of coffee versus a more you know, commercial, more average, industrial cup of coffee. One that you might drink uh, from Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or Pete's or Seattle's Best or Folger's. And he said, look, this is not, this does not sound like a ringing endorsement of a product, but the best coffee, what makes it so great in a lot of ways, yeah, there's nuances to it, but it's absence of defect where, whereas, you know, coffee, th there are a lot of things that can go wrong with coffee. It can be harsh, abrasive, bitter, uh, sour, right? There are all of these flavors that you can get in a bad coffee, especially when you drink it black and you don't uh, put 40 grams of sugar in it like many do. Uh, when, when you do that, there are a lot, all of these, these things that they're bad. We don't like them. And sometimes a great cup of coffee, it's just that all of these bad things, they are absent. That is absence of defect. And as soon as I heard James Hoffman say that about coffee on the podcast, the first person I thought about was Novak Djokovic and the way he plays tennis. In a lot of ways, I think tennis can be like coffee, where a large percentage of the points that are won and lost, you can look at one player on one side of the net and you can say, that player made a mistake. They did something wrong. There's a lot of points like that. Now, the higher you go up uh, to in, in tennis, the less that is the case, right? The less bad mistakes you'll see, but it doesn't matter, right? We have the top eight in the world playing and tennis can still be a game of mistakes. So yeah. I talk about those mistakes when they happen. And at times, Djokovic has, has, he's been there, right? When Runa beat him in Paris Bercy, I talked a ton. You can go back to that analysis. I talked a ton about all of Novak's poor mistakes when he had opportunities to put that match away, up break point, up a set and a break. I looked at all those. What about when Alcaraz won Wimbledon this year? How much did we talk about the backhand, the neutral backhand that Djokovic had in the second set tiebreak that he missed? How much did we talk about the ball at the start of the fifth set that Novak should have put away for an overhead and instead he missed as a forehand drive volley? We focused a ton on those mistakes 
and rightly so. So it's not that we only talk or I only talk about Novak's opponents when they mess up. I'll talk about Novak when he messes up too. Believe me. It's just he doesn't do it as much. Djokovic made eight unforced errors against Alcaraz. When I said he dominated the game of errors, that's a credit, and it should be taken as a credit to Novak. Novak made 10 unforced errors against Sinner. Sinner made 30. I know that one of the reasons people watch or listen to me is to hear about tactics. Trust me, I want to talk about tactics too, as much as I possibly can. And I want to talk about strengths and weaknesses and skill deficiencies and all that. I do. But sometimes this sport is not about those things. Sometimes it's not about tactics. Sometimes it's about executing shots. And when you are a player in Novak Djokovic, who oftentimes is playing matches and he's not missing his spots on serve, he's not making bad shot selection decisions, he does not have bad positioning, he is not getting rushed off of either wing, he doesn't pass up opportunities to attack or come forward, he does not drop the ball short, he does not make unforced errors from attack or neutral, he does not lose focus during matches. I can keep going. The point is, there are a lot of mistakes to be made in this sport. A ton. And Djokovic just manages to make them less. And that may give me less to talk about. But you know what? That's a good thing for Novak. He's kind of like a great cup of coffee. You just can't find a lot wrong with him. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. 
So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.